Hi, my name is Heidi Phillips, and you're listening to The Aging Athlete. We'll be discussing topics related to aging well and living an active life. Many times we'll have interviews with medical professionals, athletes, and other experts in the aging journey. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to The Aging Athlete. Today we have with us Troy Jacobson. After playing football in high school and college, Troy decided to try an Olympic distance triathlon in 1987, and he was hooked. You may remember Troy as a professional triathlete, as I do, back in the day. Um, He went under nine hours at Ironman Hawaii in 1993, and he finished top 20 and third American at the Ironman Hawaii World Championships in 1998. He's been extremely successful in triathlon at all levels, from amateur to pro. His athletic success came as he coached others and grew a business at the same time. Troy helped pioneer online coaching of multi-sport and single-sport athletes, while he also created and branded his own line of indoor cycling training videos, Spinnervals, as well as Runnervals workout videos. Troy Jacobson has invested over 30 years as a coach, helping Ironman athletes and business leaders focus and improve. He now works with CEOs and executives to help them and their organizations perform at a higher level. So thank you so much for being with us today, Troy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I was excited that you were willing to uh, answer some questions for us and participate. So I always like to ask people when we get started why they do what they do. So how did you get into doing triathlons? What were you doing when you first started into them and what made you want to go pro? Gosh, it was so long ago now. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Well, so I was always an athlete through high school, um, wrestled, played football, just really enjoyed sports all my life and recognized that I wasn't really going to go much further in those sports as I got into my senior year. And uh, and I was bigger, you know, lifted weights. So I weighed over 200 pounds and just love sports. But I always wanted to find another sport that I could be competitive in. And, and um, one of my relatives at the time did the Baltimore Bud Light Triathlon. And, you know, triathlon was fairly new back then in the mid to late 80s. And he just said, oh, this is such a cool sport. You swim, bike, you run. So I just thought, well, you know, that's something I could do. I'm, I'm not good at any of these sports, but maybe I could become okay at all three and be a competitive again in this sport. So I took up running. And then I went out and bought a bike, a Riley Technium with Scott Tinley's um, signature on it back in those days, heavy aluminum bike, and just started riding and running and did my first 5K. And anyway, I just really loved the endurance sports vibe and just um, transformed myself from a 200 and some pound football player into a 170 pound triathlete and did my first race at the Columbia Triathlon in Maryland which back then was, uh, you know, a really iconic and well, always an iconic event, but really a big event in the mid Atlantic region and did really well there. And uh, I was a teenager at the time and I was just hooked. I was just like, yeah, this is my thing. And just uh, fell in love with the sport from there. That's great. I love hearing. I can still hear that it's good memories for you and a good passion. And I think the community is wonderful. Just having that community of healthy lifestyle and, um, and I miss the endurance, all of the endurance, um, training with other people. Um, so what made you decide to go pro? Well, so back in the nineties, it was easy to go pro. It's not like it is now. It's a lot different from my understanding, but back in those days, you could just apply for your pro card. If you did okay in certain regional events 
And, you know, locally at that time, I could, I was winning most local events and competing and finishing in the top five in most regional and even national events. So I just decided to take it to that level and just get my pro card. It wasn't really a big deal. It just put you on a, in a different category and obviously a different wave. And if there was prize money, you had the opportunity to win prize money. Um, I didn't, I, I made some prize money winnings throughout my career, but more of it was sponsorship dollars. So I was able to, uh, and amateurs were able to get sponsorship dollars as well, but it just, it just elevated your status in that regard. And companies looked at you a little different, differently. So that's why for the most part, I decided to do that, but it wasn't for any other reason. It was just to, to just have that be in that category for a while, at least. Mm -hmm. So it was fun. Well, it was fun to watch you go and all of your peers at the time, um, so what, if you, as you look back, what are the highlight, what's the highlight reel, your favorite parts of all of that, of that? You know, to your point, just the camaraderie in Baltimore uh, at the time in the early nineties, I took a role as fitness director at Meadowbrook Aquatic Center, where at the NBAC North Baltimore Aquatic Club program swam. And that's where Michael Phelps grew up and a lot of those athletes, uh, top Olympian swimmers. Um, and so I took a role as fitness director and was, uh, the owner at the time gave me an opportunity to start my own tri team and we called it Meadowbrook triathlon team. And so we had swim workouts and we had indoor cycling workouts, which I called at the time cycle aerobics and <laughs> we did track workouts at, uh, Johns Hopkins university. And then we moved on to Gilman, uh, local private school. And it just blew up. We had such great athletes. Joanna Zeiger, who you might recognize for U.S. Olympians and, you know, one of the top female, I think one of the top female athletes in triathlon in history and the way she could race both Olympic and Ironman. Um, We just, and we, the list was long lead to Petro. All these great athletes came from that, that group. And the, I don't know, I, you asked me what I liked the most. It was really that, that time period in, in life the mid nineties and being part of that. And we had track workouts. We had a hundred people show up to track workouts. We had parties. We, you know, it it was just a great time. And the sport was new enough that it wasn't, it was competitive obviously, but it was still lots of fun. Right. Yeah. We're just having a really good time. Um, Yeah. The the people, the relationships that created uh, going to races together, many times going to Kona with good friends and, just having a great time. That's all I can say. That's what resonates. That's what I always will remember. That's great. So I've been familiar with spinnervals. I actually have a girlfriend that came to Tucson to film one or to be part of one of them. Um, We both have a lot of cats as a mutual friend. Um, So those are cycling videos. So I've known about those for a long time and I believe you still have those available. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share with us a little bit about uh, creating those workouts and why someone might want to take advantage of them? Sure. So the the concept came around, I guess, in 1992 for me. And the one of my athletes that I was coaching at the time, a guy named Roger Bird, professional mountain bike racer for the Trek factory team, an iconic guy in cycling in the mid-Atlantic region, with a great mechanic, just a great guy overall. He, um, I, I used to do in his basement, um, we would do one-on-one turbo workouts where I would be there with the stopwatch. And I mean, this guy could suffer like no one else. And I would just 
beat him up in hour long <laughs> indoor cycling workouts. And he was also the manager of a performance bike shop. Oh. Uh, performance was a national chain at the time and Baltimore had a location. So anyway, we talked about, it and he said, well, do this to a group of, for a group of people. And we'll just come on a Wednesday night and we'll move all the, the racks out of the way. And, uh, and people can bring their trainers. And so the first night, I think we put out a flyer. We had like three or four people show up. Then the next week it was like 20 people showed up and they were all triathletes and cyclists from the area. And they really liked it. It's an hour workout. It was after hours and everyone really liked it. They got, they got a really good workout and started just to, to grow from there. And then, um, a company called Cyclops, which is a trainer brand. They created the fluid trainer back in those days. The owners at the time were based in New York city. And one of the fellows who did my workout, um, said, Hey, you know, my client who I do marketing for is starting this start, this trainer company. Uh, you might want to talk to them about doing some kind of workout using their trainer. So I went up to New York, met these fellows up there. And next thing I knew that summer, we were doing, uh, what was called cycle cycle aerobics in Colorado. It was the first ever filmed indoor cycling workout using competitive athletes. And we had Greg Welsh, Karen Smyers, Tyler Hamilton, you know, Ron Kiefel, who was a tour rider. I mean, all these great athletes in that era were in this workout and it was just um, an amazing experience for me as the coach and creator of it. And from there uh, they sold a bunch of them. And a couple of years later, that's when I started my own brand spinnables and um, just kind of, yeah, took off back in the VHS days. Remember those? <laughs> I remember those well. <laughs> yeah. um, wow. So that's a fun story. Um, so more recently, you've transitioned into the executive and leadership coaching space. Can you share how that transition has worked for you and what training programs for athletes and business leaders have in common? Yeah. Yeah, I really love what I do now. Um, about three years ago. So going from very, so I was very focused on the endurance space for about 17 years, owned a couple bike shops, the video series, coaching, opened up a health club, just got really focused on my own entrepreneurial pursuits. And then I transitioned, I was recruited by a large health club company, Lifetime Fitness, who is very, the top, top health club company in the US, healthy way of life company, great organization. They wanted to embrace endurance sports. So I joined them and worked with them for about 10 years and learned a lot. So I went from being a small business owner, having employees and everything, and all of a sudden to being part of this large corporation. So I learned a lot in that transition there. And I was with them for 10 years and led a fairly large department, the endurance training department, basically throughout the country, and just learned some lessons and knew that my next career, I didn't necessarily want to go back into endurance sports training. I, I kind of felt like I've done everything I can in this area. It's been 25 years. It's time to move on and grow, you know, grow personally, grow professionally. Uh, and in, in your fifties, that's sometimes hard to do. Right. But it's important. And so I decided based on my background, uh, working with a lot of executives, being in that space and leading big teams and different things, gaining that experience, um, decided to get into business and executive coaching, leveraging my background as a small business owner, but then also as a corporate team member. And uh, now I find myself 
several years later, working with some of the top CEOs in the Arizona market, and then several companies around the country doing the leadership training, team building. And I'm a Vistage CEO chair. Vistage is the largest CEO and executive network in the world. Uh, We have over 24,000 members around the world. So I'm a chair here in Tucson, and I have a group of CEOs, and we meet on a monthly basis. Um, It's a very high-impact group where we talk about issues, concerns, um, solve each other's problems, work with each other to grow our respective businesses. And it's just a really powerful tool for any executive or other leader to engage in that peer advisory experience. Because how, how else do you grow unless you're surrounded by people who are also at that level, at that and level. Really growing? And then my job as the coach is to push them. So in many ways, it's just like being an athletic coach, being right. a triathlon coach, you know, motive, laying out a structure, strategic planning, um, helping them make better decisions, you know, laying out their training plan, helping them make better decisions around their training, right. uh, their race schedules, you know, all those things that. They, they line up so interestingly between the business and the, the uh, endurance coaching. So it's been a very easy transition for me. And it's just, it's really growth producing for me because I get to work with healthcare, banking, uh, technology, all these different companies. So there's always a challenge and there's always something new coming down the pipeline, which I absolutely love. It just fully engages my brain every day. (laughs) That's great. I love that you talked about the growth um, and the personal growth and challenging yourself. That's, that's fantastic. Um, In one of your recent newsletters, you talked about working on the process and not the outcome. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's important for athletes and it's important for people in business. Certainly you need to have that target You need to have that end result that you want to achieve, but it's really what you do on a daily basis, the habits that you create for yourself, the little things, you know, I, uh, I love metaphors. And one of my favorite metaphors is hitting singles. Don't try to hit a home run every day. You're not going to do it, but hit singles every day. Just make small steps towards whatever your goal is and just embrace the process. And if you do that, ultimately you'll achieve whatever your outcome, whatever you want your desired outcome to be, you'll get there but just be patient and keep hitting singles every day. I love that. That's a great takeaway. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's your ideal client for leadership coaching or, or an executive client? Well, I work with leaders of all levels. Uh, in fact, one of my Vistage groups that I have is called the Key Executive Group, and it's for primarily director level and above executives of larger companies. But then I also work with small business owners, um, I work with CEOs of larger companies with 500 plus employees and that are doing $100 million a year in annual revenue. So I, it's a broad spectrum, but really the people I work with, so if I could boil it down, the people I work with are growth minded. They are coachable. In other words, they, even though they've achieved a tremendous level of success, they realize there really is no finish line in terms of growing. And once they do, if they do hit that finish line, they're probably retired and they're probably just hanging out on the beach anyway. So that growth mindset's really important. Um, coachability and, um, you know, the desire to develop other leaders, because that's truly what strong leaders do is they develop other leaders under them to then take the ball or take the baton from that point. So I, I look at those values as being really important. 
And everyone I work with has those particular values. So it's, you know, it's really interesting for me to see how my practice has evolved and how these folks that are working with me are just really high quality people who embrace those values I just mentioned. And they want to see others succeed. That is so Absolutely. Important. That's, yeah. that's a common thread. I mean, they want to succeed in business and that's part of their, their why, but they also, yeah, well, across the board, they understand that in order for them to succeed, they also need to bring other people up as well. So they're really focused on that. And I think, I think people find when they, when they work with someone, whether it's as a business coach or a training coach or whatever it is, you're, you're not just improving in that one area. When you're working on growth, you're, everything improves. So yeah. I, I, I love that part about uh, coaching and, and uh, especially you probably get to see a lot of that, yeah. um, that, it, that it, it goes across into relationships and other things as well. So shifting gears a bit, um, what's your philosophy on aging well? And, do, and what do you think are the key components of living a long, healthy life? Any takeaways you can give the listeners? <laughs> Trying to figure that out. I'm trying to build that plane while I fly it. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, we're all trying to do that. Uh, you know, I guess, so I'm 52 and certainly feel 52 at times. <laughs> uh, but sometimes I don't, you know, sometimes I feel like, all right, I can go out and do whatever. I'm doing a hundred months. We're doing the, I'm on the uh, board of directors for the El Tour de Tucson. So that oh. events this weekend is one of the larger cycling events in the U.S. There's uh-huh. Probably there's going to be roughly 6,000 people here this weekend. So I'm going to do the 100 miler on my, on my mountain bike and just things like that to keep pushing. And I'm not ready for it, to be honest. I'm really not. <laughs> I have to put in the volume, but I train, you know, I do a little bit every day and strength training, I think is really important. So you asked about what the key. So the strength training piece, that's huge, obviously. Um I don't abuse myself anymore in training like I used to back in the 90s. When I think about the, you know, 15 to 25 hour training weeks and the kind of volume I used to do, it's like, how did I ever put my body through that? And I suffer the consequence of that sometimes too. You know, the knees and deep knee bends, eh, it just doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) Probably as a result of all the abuse, but just to do the bare minimum, but enough to keep myself healthy and vibrant and, uh, and just, uh, and push myself. So events, I think are really important have those goals. So this hundred mile, and I'm doing the 24 hours of the old Pueblo, which is a mountain bike race in February and do that as another objective. And just to keep the training, keep the excitement around doing events. And that helps me stay focused on getting my daily workout in, in the daily workout. It might be half an hour. It might be an hour. It might be an hour and a half ride, but not much more than that. You know, it's uh-huh. just, the bare minimum just to keep things going. And uh, I enjoy that. Keeping things well oiled and moving. <laughs> that's, that's the key. And once you stop, once you stop, that's when it, it gets hard to get yourself going again. So yeah. Yeah. Well, great. I love that. Um, any, any philosophy on nutrition or, you know, whole, you know, what to limit, what to, is there anything in particular you're doing? I tried it. Okay. That's a great question. So I do dabble in the intermittent fasting concept. I like that. I've been doing it for a couple of years now, not every day. I mean, moderation 
is my main philosophy, I think, in life, especially now in the stage of life. But um, I do try to not eat uh, from dinner until 12 noon or so. So intermittent fasting, that's one strategy I deploy. And then just basic healthy eating. You know, I still, I, I don't make, I, I eat sweets sometimes, but not all the time. I try to make healthy food choices. Dinners typically are some grilled protein and salad and rice or something along those lines. You know, just the basics. Um, alcohol, yeah, probably, you know, limit alcohol intake. That's probably a good advice for everybody. Um, hydrate well. It, it It's the fundamentals. You know, there's yeah. no, there's no rocket science to any of this. It's just, you know what you need. Everyone knows what they need to do. It's just the discipline to do it. Right. And adopt that moderation mindset where you give yourself some rewards once in a while, but then other times eh, you got to push that extra plate away. Good, good stuff. Thank you. Um, So if someone's interested in learning more about anything we've talked about or wants to connect with you, how would they go about doing that? Where can they find you? So I have two websites, my coaching, my executive coaching and professional uh, website for business owners and CEOs and leaders is troyjacobson.com. Can't get a lot easier than that. That was an easy domain for me to reserve. Uh, so troyjacobson.com has all the information there. And then the Spinnervolts website is still alive as well. And that's now digital. You can download your workouts. You can join and you can stream the entire series for only $12.95 a month. So you can do all 80 or so workouts and uh, do them as part of your training program. So that's spinnervolts.com. Great. So I will put those in the show notes um, to make sure people can find you at both of those websites. And thank you again. Is there anything else you want to add to this? No, I I appreciate the opportunity to um, tell everybody my story and thank you for doing this. Well, thank you for sharing your story and really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, I hope you share it and click the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. See you on the next one.